preach for us this evening. here again hard to believe the week's winding down and uh we're excited about it and just we are blessed and uh, i know that sentiment my church is the same way preacher they love all the guest speakers but the pastor they're kind of like ah you know how he is right um but speaking of that we uh have officially booked your pastor to come to our church next march and so we are so excited about having him come and now our church can fall in love with him just like we fall in love with you all we've talked about this church so much that my oldest daughter was talking to me on the phone today she goes dad we should have came. We should have just worked it out, you know. And I'm like, yeah, you should have. I would have loved to have our kids here, and they would have loved being around you all. It's so good to see Ruby here tonight. Yesterday, my wife and I got to spend some time with her. Becky's cousin, right? Y'all are first cousins? Oh, second cousins. Awesome. I'm so glad you're here. It's good to see you. And we're going to be in our text tonight in First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I appreciate what Preacher already said. Um, I am so thankful uh, for those of you that, that you, you know, pastors have a, have a unique schedule. A lot of times people tease me and say, man, it must be nice to only work three times a week, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I kind of chuckle. Uh, the life of a pastor is a lot like feast or famine. You know, some weeks it's really not that bad. And other weeks we're up at 5 a.m. and at bed at midnight. You know, it's just, one, it's just it's a lot like a feast or famine type of a thing. But <clears throat> many of you have worked all day. You know, if you worked eight hours, ten hours. And uh, for you to still come to the house of God. Now, that's why I'm respectful of your time. Uh, I'm not very long-winded. I think I was done before we even made it to an hour last night. And so I want to be respectful of your time. But thank you for being here. Thank you for coming and, and spending some time with my wife and I. Thank you for the supper tonight with all you young folk and your parents. It was it was wonderful time. I appreciate so much your pastor allowing us to fellowship with different groups. And uh, y'all are just a great church. I do want to apologize. Last night I wasn't able to... Meet with you on fellowship, but I think I had a pretty good excuse. And thank you, Brother Don, for bringing uh, Robert Morris to church. And uh, what a blessing it was to talk to him. And uh, he ended up getting born again last night. And uh, it's such a blessing to, to be able to witness to a deaf person. It takes a little bit more work sometimes, a little bit more explanation, and maybe a little bit more clarifying and understanding. But boy, he was so excited afterwards last night. He was just smiling and and he was very happy, and we've been texting each other already. We texted last night. We texted each other this morning. And so just so thankful for that. You know, I love what Brother Don did. You know, Brother Don's not exactly fluent in signs, although he signs better than I thought he did. He signed a little bit last night. He signs enough to be dangerous. I can tell you that right now. And, uh, but, you know, he, he brought his friend here because he felt like that in this particular week that my sign language would be able to meet a need. And it's amazing how God works those things out. And God knows exactly what he's doing. We praise the Lord for that. And I'm thankful for my wife tagging along with me this week. She's been such a blessing as she always is. And so it's so good. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this evening. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And when you found your place there, if you're able to, let's stand one more time. And just look at your neighbor and say, hang on tight. It won't be much longer till we're out of here. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about the rapture tonight, okay? Okay, come on now. Some of y'all are thinking I'm talking about church. I'm talking about the rapture, amen? And uh, we want to talk a little bit about that tonight. I feel like there's been some doctrines of the Bible that the devil has kind of tried to hide in the shadows that we might forget. Doctrines of the place called hell. Doctrines of, of the cross, Calvary. I mean, we need to preach on Calvary more than I think uh, we do. And one of them is this powerful doctrine of the rapture, which is the next event on God's calendar. 
And so let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. And the Bible says in verse number 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, look at this phrase here, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. You may be seated. Father, help us tonight. And Lord, first of all, may we be excited about you coming back. May we anticipate your return. And Lord, I would love if we didn't even finish this message tonight, and you, you sound the trumpet and we check up out of here. But until then, may we be driven by the fact that you could come and speak to our hearts this evening. Thank you for saving souls. And if somebody's not saved tonight, save their precious soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I'd like to share with you this thought of, of the rapture and talk a little bit about that this evening. Um, I, I've got a burden for it. It seems like I've been talking a lot about more lately, and I've been meditating it on, on it a lot. You know, I, I'd like to tell you tonight that I know when the rapture is going to happen. And uh, I know it's a bold statement to make because a lot of people have called dates out and been wrong. But I'm going to tell you tonight when the rapture is going to happen. That's what he brought me in here for, to, to, to announce to this church tonight. Mark it here. You'll be able to say, I heard it at First Baptist Church of Eden. Brother Randy's going to tell us when the rapture is going to happen. How many of y'all are excited about that? How many of you are interested to find out three people? All right, that's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> glad that three people are excited about that. But I'm going to tell you when the rapture is going to happen. Here it is. You ready for this? Get your pens and papers out and get you ready to take notes. Man, Brother Josh, praise the Lord, your son got saved last night. Wow. I'm sorry. I just, that's an ADHD moment right there. I just had to turn over that. I, just saw, I saw American Hillbilly back there smiling real big, and I just <laughs> smiled through that goatee and everything, you know. So I just, had to, I just had to give a shout out to the Lord right there. Amen. But here it is. You ready for this? Get your pens and papers. Ready? Here we go. I'm getting ready to announce it right now. You ready? Here he comes. Anytime. Amen. That's it. You see, if you say to me, hey, Brother Randy, you know, you're a little bit on the big side. I, I suggest you lose weight. I want you to lose 40 pounds in the next six months. If you give me six months, I, I won't feel as pressured to start tomorrow. I might be able to, you know, enjoy some of this ice cream some good Christian saints made for me and my wife tonight. And uh, y'all have been feeding us too well this week. Today we had Indian cuisine, you know. I still feel like I smell like chicken curry, praise God. <laughs> I better smell like Steph Curry. But anyway, that's whole other stuff. But anyway, so praise the Lord for that. Um, but, uh, but we've had a great time this week in that regard, amen. But if you say six months, I'm not going to worry about it starting tomorrow. But if you say six weeks... Now, all of a sudden, there's a sense of urgency because the time got closer. It went from six months to six weeks. The most urgent time frame in the history of mankind is this, is this time frame. Ready? Anytime. Anytime. That means we have to be ready at the drop of a hat. Any given moment, the rapture could take place. The rapture is a biblical doctrine that is separate from the second coming. We know the second coming is a separate event that happened seven years after the rapture. But the next event is the rapture, and so how exciting it is. And I want you to think about something by way of introduction tonight. Uh, many preachers, and I believe this to be true, say there's some parallels from Jesus' first time on earth 
and to his second time coming to earth. So with that in mind, let's go and take our Bibles and go back to Matthew chapter number 26. So take your Bibles and let's go to Matthew chapter number 26 real quickly tonight. And then we will come back to the Thessalonians where we will spend the rest of the evening in that context here. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 26, and in this chapter, Jesus is about to be crucified. And Matthew chapter 27 is the crucifixion chapter. Matthew 28 is the resurrection chapter. Matthew 26 is when Jesus Christ prays in the garden. And he's praying to his father, asking him uh, for guidance, help, comfort, and even saying, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. And here we are in verse 36. The Bible says, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. The son of God is showing the very son of man side of him right now. He's very burdened down. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further. By the way, this is not the message tonight, but I love this statement. No matter where you go in life, no matter how low you get or how you get, high you get, Jesus always went a little further. He took his three closest disciples as far as they could go, and he went a little further. Praise the Lord for that promise. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, be possible. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as I will. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them. Help me, church. Asleep. What were they? What were they? Asleep. All right, look at your neighbor and say, don't sleep right now. All right. All right, they're asleep. Some of you wives wake up your husbands. Amen. All right. He findeth them asleep. That's what the Bible says here. They're asleep. They're out cold. And the Bible says in verse number 40, he findeth them asleep and said to them, what could you not watch me one hour? Watch and pray that you don't have temptation for sake of time. He went away the second time. Verse 42, verse 43. And he came and found them asleep again. Watch this now. For their eyes were heaven. He left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh the disciples and saith to them, sleep on now. Now, the Bible says in verse 47, and while he yet spake, lo, Judas. So I have a question for you tonight to get this message going, get things started tonight. Who woke up the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane? Who? It's not a trick question, but it's just a question I like to ask. Anybody want to take a stab at that? Who woke up the disciples? Jesus, right? I mean, I always thought it was Jesus too, but the fact of the matter is, Jesus did not wake up the disciples. He tried, but they fell asleep again. They actually did not wake up until Judas showed up. Isn't it sad that Jesus Christ's three closest men were sleeping when Jesus, humanly speaking, needed them the most. But when Judas showed up, they woke up and were wide awake at that point. I want to start this with an illustration that's so personal to me and it means a lot to me. How many of you tonight are firstborn children in your home? You're the firstborn child of your home, okay? I'm the firstborn child of my family. And firstborn children are very special children because God gives them to their parents so that they can help raise the rest of those kids we call siblings. Because the second, third, and fourth, and fifth born, and the baby especially got issues. Can I get an amen right there, okay? So I'm the firstborn child. It's a burden I gladly bear. I'm glad I was able to be a blessing to my parents and helping to raise my siblings. But uh, I'm a firstborn child. So how many of you are second, third, fourth, fifthborn children and you're bitter about not being the firstborn? There's a special cl- a clinic tonight at the church that will be headed up by my wife because she's the fourth out of five. And she'll be glad to let y'all cry on each other's shoulders because, hey, not everybody gets to be the firstborn child of their family, okay? 
How many of you are the baby of the family? Let's find out who the babies are. Oh, God bless you, babies. My sister and my little girl right now always says, oh, we're the baby because God stopped with us because we were so perfect. And I say, no, mom and dad and God stopped with you because we couldn't handle anymore after you. Okay. One of my jobs as the firstborn child of my home, as the big brother, was to make sure my siblings were awake for school every morning. My dad knew I was an early riser, always have been, I still am to this day, and so I would get up in the morning, and, and I could, as soon as I woke up, I could hear my brother immediately say, bro, I'm up, don't bother me, okay? So he's already up, okay, I won't bother my brother. But then I had a deaf sister in another room, and I would walk downstairs, and my dad would say, are, are Nick and Jennifer up? And I said, well, Nick's up, Jennifer's not, and dad would say, go tell Jenny, dad said, get up now. So I'd walk up the stairs, and I'd kick her door open, and I'd kick her bed, and I'd say, dad said, get up now. And she'd look at me, and she'd roll over and cover her head and go back to sleep. That's one time. I go back down the steps and my dad would say, is Jenny up? I said, no, she's not up. Tell her, dad said, get up now. All right. I go up the stairs again. Door's already open. I kicked it open, kicked the bed. Dad said, get up now. She rolls over and goes back to sleep again. All right, that's two. Third time I go down the steps, I don't have to do no sign language. I look at my dad. He's reading his paper or watching Good Morning America, whatever it was. He looks at me and I look at him and go, he goes, he gave me permission. I went to the kitchen and got a cup like this big. I filled it up with ice many times for special effect, (laughs) filled it up with water, and my baptism doctrine wasn't right, but little did I know I was practicing as a Baptist preacher before someday I'd be baptized. And I'd walk up those steps, and the door was already open, and in Jesus' name, I would baptize my deaf sister. And my deaf sister would let a blood-curling scream, and I'd be down the steps laughing, my brother would be laughing, and my dad would kind of have a little grin, because, hey, she didn't get up. Now, some of you tonight, how many of you tonight feel sorry for my sister? There's always a few people, all right? Look here, nobody should feel sorry for her, because, listen, if she would have woke up when daddy told her to woke up, she wouldn't have got wet, amen? Here's what I want you to think about tonight. I believe with all my heart the devil's tried every tactic he can possibly ta- have to get the church to get quiet, to get, to get discouraged, to quit. To, I mean, he's, a, he's attacked it. He's persecuted it. He's picked on it. He's messed with it. And yet the church continues to bounce back. So the devil has come up with a new strategy today, and it's simply this. It's to get you to sleep when you're supposed to be awake. I'm not talking about physical sleep tonight. I'm talking about spiritual sleep. Listen very carefully. I have four children, and we traveled a lot, and we've been traveling since they were very little. And as a dad, trust me, it was always a blessing. Now that they're older, we, we don't mind traveling during the day because we talk, we fellowship. But when they were little, when my kids were two, three, four, five years old, I loved driving all night long. Because it's amazing how when a child goes to sleep, their bladder's the size of Texas. But when it's daytime, the bladder's the size of New Jersey. Can I get an amen right there? And they would always ask, Daddy, how much farther? Daddy, how much time? Daddy, we've been on the road for forever. It's been 30 minutes. Come on now, you know. But at night, they sleep. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Even this week during revival, last night, great service. Two people got saved. You went home, you went to sleep. And all of a sudden, the alarm went off. And you said, what? I feel like I just laid my head down and the alarm's already gone off. Isn't it amazing how when you go to sleep, eight hours can go by just like that? Well, eight hours is actually still eight hours. But when you're sleeping, it goes by like that. So I believe Satan has lured the church to sleep, just like he did Peter, James, and John. And today he would like for you to sleep during the most exciting days in the history of mankind. I want you to take your Bibles real quick and go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is still part of the introduction, and you'll see where I'm going with all of this this evening. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I love the, the song by the three men a little while ago. Almost home. Hey, we're almost home. We are almost home. Boy, hallelujah, we're almost home. But we're not home yet. 
So until then, I won't be wide awake and see what Jesus is fixing to do. Amen. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. The Bible says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For some reason, God laid on Paul's heart, the Holy Spirit, to write a lot about the rapture and the second coming in the, in the two epistles to the church of Thessalonica. So here he says it again, By the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now look at verse number 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. Don't miss this now. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Oh, time out real quickly. Are we not seeing that in America today? My soul. Preachers I used to preach with 15 years ago don't even believe what they believed 15 years ago. And in love, I just want to ask them the question, which time were you wrong? Are you admitting you were wrong for all this time and now you're right? I mean, come on. Right. We're living in a day and age where people are turning their back on God, changing what they used to believe. But look what else says in verse three. It says, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Could it be that right before the rapture happens, the Antichrist will be revealed? Now, I know a lot of people try to figure out who the Antichrist is, and I gave up on that a long time ago. I learned this. It's a whole lot better to focus on the real Christ than worry about the Antichrist. But I remember for years people said it might be Barack Obama, and I said, no way, that's an insult to the devil. That was just my opinion. (laughs) Then there was was people saying it was going to be Donald Trump, but we know it's not Donald Trump because the Bible says that there's going to be a Trump at the end. Donald Trump tweeted, so we don't know. I mean, you knew it couldn't be that, right? So I gave up trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, and I really don't care who the Antichrist is. But let me tell you something right now. Just like it took Judas's presence to wake up the disciples, be careful, church. Do not allow the presence of the Antichrist, which is a type of Judas, don't miss this now, wake you up when you should be awake. Tonight, church, it's time to wake up. It's time to realize that we are lit. Sometimes preachers will say, Brother Randy, don't you wish you lived back in the days and Deal Moody was preaching in New York City to crowds of 10,000 people four times a day. Did you know that happened in America? They would pass out tickets. And if, you, and if, you, if there was no room, they'd just tell you, I'm sorry, there's no room yet to come back later. And people would crowd arenas to hear Deal Moody and Spurgeon preach. And there was the Great Awakening and George Whitfield and all that stuff. And we live in the most crazy days in history. And I always say to them, no, sir, no, ma'am. It's not an accident I'm alive right now. We got to see two people get saved last night by the grace of God. I feel like that's a greater miracle than it was before. Hallelujah. We get to live in the most exciting days in the history of mankind. But having said that, though, don't fall asleep. The Bible here says again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look what Paul says. Therefore, verse 6, let us not sleep. Watch this. Let us not sleep. What are the next few words? As do others. Paul is saying that, listen, if I'm telling you not to sleep, that means you have the potential to sleep. So tonight, church, wake up. Here's the title of the message. It's very simple. Who's going to wake y'all up? Jesus or Judas? Let me give you four simple reasons why we should stay awake tonight. Number one, real quickly, the first two are very fast. I won't spend a lot of time on them. Number one, the significant signs should keep us awake today. 
The significant signs. Help me, church, man. I'm telling you what. We live in very interesting days today. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 again. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. But of the times and the seasons, you have no need that I write unto you. That's what Paul says 2,000 years ago. Are you kidding me? What about the times and the seasons now? If you pick up the average newspaper in America and read the front page, you read stuff that screams all the time. Jesus is coming soon. As you read and study Israel. Israel right now, what's happening in the nation of Israel and what's happened last five to 10 years. It's screaming. Jesus is coming soon. And the world is so ignorant and naive of the Bible now that they're going to be so confused. And now we see Hollywood promoting aliens and we got balloons floating everywhere and we've got zombies on movies and television shows so that they'll have an explanation when this rapture happens. I mean, we live in interesting days. Hey, church, significant signs ought to keep you awake. Significant signs. Number two, real quickly. The sureness or the surety, the sure of scriptures. Sure scriptures ought to keep us awake. You know why you ought to stay awake? Because the Bible tells us to stay awake. We ought to stay awake because the Bible tells us to stay awake. Look at verse number two. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief of the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness as that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day, and we are not of the night of dark, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. What is the Bible saying here? The Bible's guaranteeing he's going to come back. There's the day of the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. He's on his way back. He's excited. He's anticipating it. He's excited about coming and taking his bride. He can't wait for that. I'm simply saying to you, church, the Bible tells us he's coming back. We could actually stop right there and give an invitation. Hey, we ought to believe it just because the Bible says so. He says, I will come again, John chapter number 14. And the Bible says, I love this one preacher said one time, when we got saved, we received Jesus. When the rapture happens, Jesus will receive us. Hallelujah. The rapture's about to happen, church. How do you know that? Significant signs. How do you know that? The sure scriptures tell us to. Number three, shouting salvation will keep you awake. Amen. Shouting salvation. Ooh, I love, ooh, I love this. Ooh, I love this. Look at First Thessalonians chapter five. Here's what the Bible says in verse number seven. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, let us, let us, Paul, talking about who said tonight, say amen. amen. That's us. Let us, hallelujah, who are of the day. That means there's clarity. The light is out. We can see what's coming. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of, 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 and of love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Verse nine, for God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. The church has gotten very quiet when it comes to salvation. Me and one of the gentlemen were talking before church tonight, and he was making a good point about how the church should be a happy place. May I say to you tonight, First Baptist Church of Eaton ought to be the happiest place in town. I used to sometimes say it. I probably should start it again. I used to meet people out in town and say, hey, have you heard about the most exciting place in town? They'd be like, no, what are you talking about? I said, are you kidding me? You haven't heard of the most exciting place in town? Man, there's a church up the road. It's crazy, man. And people are excited there. God's doing great things. The preacher even does cartwheels, and I hand him a track, and I start to walk away. One time a guy said, hey, yo. And I said, yeah. He goes, that's you. I was like, yeah, good catch right there, amen. 
Can I tell you, so many people of the world come into the churches today and it's almost like we are embarrassed by our salvation. And my wife had made a statement recently as we've been counseling and dealing with a lot of new people that are wanting to come to our church. And it's amazing how many times people will come and say they want to join our church and you begin to quiz them and realize they have never even been saved in the first place. They might have gone to church all their life, but it seems like we've gotten quiet. Satan says, go ahead and sleep past salvation. Let him join your church. Let him even get baptized. Let him be even serve in the church. Here's the deal. So many times we think the devil wants us to do bad and wrong things. That's not necessarily true. The devil doesn't care what you do as long as you don't do what God wants you to do. And Jesus tonight wants to save our soul. And we've gotten to the place as churches in America where we've gotten silent on salvation. But it's time to raise that voice. It's time to pick up the ante. It's time to say to this one, hey, we're unashamed to say there's one way to heaven and his name is Jesus Christ. And by his blood, by his crucifixion, by his resurrection, resurrection unashamedly hey hallelujah you'll never go to heaven except through the blood of jesus christ preaching salvation raise that voice tell this world hey jesus saves hallelujah we've gotten silent about it we don't sing about it anymore we don't testify about it anymore we don't preach about it anymore we've gotten embarrassed by it we've gotten ashamed of it it's amazing how many churches nowadays don't even talk about salvation reports I mean there's people in prisons that need to be saved in nursing homes in our neighborhoods and if we're saved tonight we've got some work to do everybody out there needs to be saved salvation is out of respect of persons it don't matter what color skin you got it don't matter what your background is it don't matter where you've been in life it don't matter what your age is it don't matter what your culture is it don't matter how much money you got how Hallelujah. Jesus came to save all. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. He doesn't choose some and reject others. Jesus will save anybody. Hallelujah tonight. The church has got to raise its voice. The church has got to get loud again. The church has got to tell this world, hey, 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 Jesus is coming and Jesus still saves. We've lost our shout. We've turned the volume down while wickedness has turned the volume up. We live in a society today where people are consistently throwing barbs and jabs at the church because they think we're loud about sin, and we should be. But one of the reasons the world is mad about our loudness of sin is because they don't understand why we've got quiet about salvation. In order to be consistent, if we should be loud about the sins of the day, which we need to be, then we should be louder about the salvation that will save them from that sin. Oh, hallelujah, man. I'm on my way to hell one day. I was a sinner. Paul called himself the chiefest of sinners, but he says, hallelujah, grace, hallelujah, salvation, hallelujah, mercy, hallelujah. Can I tell you something? I deserved hell, but God gave me mercy. I don't deserve heaven, but God gave me grace. I'm simply saying today, aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you're going to heaven someday? Aren't you glad you're a child of... Oh, hallelujah. Here it comes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I got my good shoes on today. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Hey, I'm talking about, hey, it's time to get loud about salvation again. It's time to be unashamed that we were on our way to hell. We didn't deserve the goodness of God. But whoa, hallelujah. Boy, I feel like preaching right now. I was on my way to hell. I deserved to burn in hell. But Jesus, he saved my soul. He put my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. Shout salvation. Sing salvation. Testify salvation. Tell this whole world, Jesus saves. Hallelujah. Jesus saves. He saves. 
it's time to get loud about it again. Could I just ask you an honest question? If you were trying to sleep tonight and you were playing this preaching right now while you're trying to sleep, would you be able to fall asleep? No way. Imagine you trying to go to sleep tonight and you're laying there all comfortable and all of a sudden you hear, Jesus says, Jesus says, you wouldn't be able to fall asleep. And you know what I'm saying? The church cannot fall asleep. Cannot fall asleep. If it's vocally telling this community, and I'm not saying you're not, I'm encouraging you. This will keep you awake, vocally proclaiming that Jesus saves. Shout salvation. Number four, and I love this one and I'm done. Let's back up one chapter to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, let me just share with you a quick thought. This July 5th, my wife and I will celebrate our 26 years of marriage. I picked the day after the day of independence because I lost my independence on July 5th when I got married. Amen. <laughs> July 5th, 1997, we both got married. And just imagine on the day that we got married and I was all excited there and I got my tuxedo on and got my cummerbund on and I was all excited about the wedding day and my brother was there, my dad was there and my groomsmen were there and all of a sudden I hear the knock on the door and my mother-in-law comes in and says, hey Randy, I've got bad news for you. We had a 10.30 in the morning wedding, Saturday morning, beautiful day in Pennsylvania. We wanted to be a little cooler since it was July 5th. My mother-in-law says, hey Randy, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Janelle's still in bed. She ain't even woke up yet. She's sleeping. She's not even excited about getting married. How do you think I'd feel as a groom? Like, what, are you, uh, what? Are you kidding me? The other day, several years back, I was praying about the rapture. I was thinking about it. And I was asking the Lord to, to give me something to challenge myself and to challenge my own church. And the Lord said, could it be that one of the reasons the rapture has not happened yet is because the father would be embarrassed for his son to find the bride in the state that it is in? Because the contrary took place. July 5th was probably the earliest morning my wife ever woke up in her life. She was so made up all beautiful. Got her hair purtier than ever. Got her fingernails, everything. And when she stood at that back door and I was at the front there, I was like, my soul, how did this get that? And I still ask that question. She walked the aisle and we got married that day. She was excited about it. She hasn't been excited since, but I have. Amen. Praise the Lord. I tell people all the time, I'm glad I said I do. She said, I wish I didn't. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. We are very thankful. I better not be talking like that. We just did your marriage retreat. Amen. But anyway, we are happily married. Thank God for that. And uh, thank God for our marriage. But think about that. I wonder if one of the reasons. By the way, Jesus is excited about coming. You know that? The Bible talks about there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Right? Hey, think about this. Jesus has got to be excited about getting this bride. But maybe the father's like, son, I don't know. The bride's sleeping right now. You mean daddy, ain't even, they ain't even woke up yet? No, they ain't got their fingernail on. They ain't got no hair on. They, you know, they, they don't even have their fake fingernails on. They ain't got nothing on. They're just sleeping in the bed. Hey, church, wake up. Be like that bride that can't wait for the groom to come get her. Be like that princess in a castle that can't wait for Prince Charming to come. Look out the window all the time and can't wait. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, For the Lord, next word. Oh my, you know the Lord is really good at delegation. He sends a lot of errand boys, lets people go do things for him. But this one, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Wow. 
Then we shall have shall, and remain, shall be caught up together in the, with him in the clouds, meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So church, let me close with this thought tonight. You know, I, when I first started pastoring, uh, when you're pastoring, pastor's wife, 22 years old, started pastoring, church started growing, I got invited to many things, many things. Um, you know, I got invited to co-ed soccer games, never really was a big fan of that, you know. Got invited to sports, activities, different things like that. And, uh, man, I miss the days when you just had kindergarten graduation and 12th grade graduation. Now you got third grade graduation, fifth grade graduation, sixth grade graduation. My turtle ate its first piece of letter gra- lettuce graduation. I mean, it's just crazy how many graduations you have now. It's just crazy, right? But one of the things I got invited to was recitals. Now, listen, look here. I don't know nothing about music. I still don't know much about music. My wife and kids are talented. They sing. They play the piano. My one daughter plays by ear and can play almost anything. My son and my other daughter, daughter all three daughters will sing all over the country. I'll sign for them, but I don't sing. And so I would, we would go to these recitals, and I never really understood recitals. Because we go down and sit in the back. I don't know nothing about music. I told you that already. I grew up in a deaf home. Hey, man, that makes sense. Mom and Daddy didn't listen to music, all right? I'd sit in the back there. And I admit it, brother, brother Stenches, I'm sorry. I sat in the back at a recital. That way, as soon as it's over, I'm up out of there, right? Because these kids would get up on the platform, and I get it. You know, your parents spend all that money on the kids. But, man, they get up there, and the first thing they start doing is just, just. And I'm like, baby, what in the world are they doing? She goes, well, they're tuning their instruments because, you know, they, humidity affects the strings, and they're driving from their house, and they got to all get on the same page. I'm like, no, I don't believe that. I said, they're doing that because anything we hear after that's going to sound better than what we just heard. <laughs> it's true. It's just the way it is, man. And, you know, little Billy and Janie get up there and they start playing their instruments. And back there, man, I'm like thinking the whole time, man, I wish I was deaf like daddy. I wish I was deaf like daddy. And I mean, and thank God for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being critical because those kids end up growing up and using their talents for the Lord. But I'm talking about when they're like first learning. I mean, I remember when my daughters were first learning all the bang, bang on the piano. Bang, bang, bang. Now that's beautiful. But, man, back then it was like, ah, right? But sometimes, sometimes, if you get real still and be still and know that I am God, you can hear the heavenly instruments just tuning. In fact, let's go ahead and do this real quick. Let's go ahead and bow our head and close our eyes just for a second. Everybody just bow your head and close our eyes just for a second. Get real still and quiet. Here we go. Man, a couple of teenage girls just went, wow. Man, it's, everybody look up here real quickly. It's almost like that trump, that little piece, you know, that the boys blow into for the trumpets that sometimes gets peanut butter and jelly stuck in there and all that stuff. That little wind piece is like, it's almost like God's clear. The heavenly instruments are being tuned because the trumpet's about to sound. Sometimes when you're in that quiet place, <clears throat> when you're being still and knowing that he is God, it's almost like you can hear heaven's preparation. My kids came to me about 15 years ago and said, Dad, we want a pet. I said, well, we, we travel too much to have a pet. They said, no, Dad, we want a pet. <clears throat> so we got a bird. It died. <laughs> we, got, we got another bird. It died. We got a lizard, a bearded dragon. It died. We got a Russian tortoise. It ran away. I mean, it was sweet. We've had the worst luck with pets. 
So we finally got a dog. I said, no cat, okay, no cat, unless it's a chew toy for the dog, but I'm, you know, just, uh, just kidding. I know, I know some of y'all love cats, but I'm just kidding. But, but we got a dog, and it's a Shih Tzu Maltese, in case you don't know what that is. If you don't know what that is, it's, it's a rat that is dipped in a bucket of glue. And you go to the local salon at the end of the day, and you slide the dog across the floor, and whatever fur sticks to it, that's your dog, amen. So all the hair sticking to me. And so it's a little dog named Sport, and me and Sport have a unique relationship, man. The dog loves me. He, he's like, he's been, listen, he fell into my parents' pool one Sunday. I only paid 200 bucks for him as a pup. And we thought he was drowned. We thought he was dead. And the vet called me $450 later, and he survived. He got run over by the mailman. I mean, literally a car. The mailman The mailman got his vengeance on all the dogs, hallelujah, and ran over my dog and drug it through down a gravel road. And after another $400, he survived that. Our dog's like part cat and he got nine lives. He's almost died several times. I think he's only got about four or five left. He's a unique dog. The kids love him, right? They love the dog. His name's Sport. But sport taught me a lesson several years ago I'll never forget. You see, one thing about dogs is you can't go to your dog on a Sunday morning and say, Hey, sport, listen. All right, we all fixing to go to church. We got Sunday school. We got church. We'll be back after I got deaf church today. So we won't be back to about 1 o'clock. We'll have lunch. We'll be back at 1 o'clock. All right, sport, you take care of the house. We're okay. The dog doesn't understand that, man. I can tell him all I want, but the dog don't understand that. But you know what a dog does do? He constantly watches the door and the window. That dog, every little sound that sounds familiar, he runs to the window because his master might be coming. One Sunday, I'll never forget it, man. I pulled up into our driveway or in the garage or whatever, and me and my wife and kids got out. We went in the house. The dog is always excited. Come up, jumping on me. Poof, I kicked him across the floor. And he came running back at me again, just jumping up and down all excited, <laughs> wagging his tail, just going nuts, you know. And the Holy Spirit said, Randy, that little 14-pound dog's more excited about you coming home than you are about the Savior coming back. Oh, my. Boy, I took that challenge to heart. Regularly, I look to heaven, or look out a window, driving down the road. Sometimes when I'm driving late at night or driving all night, I look out that window, look at the stars and say, Jesus, I want you to come. I'm looking forward to you coming. I can't wait for you to come. And you can't say that if you're sleeping. Church, tonight, listen very carefully. I'm through. The rapture is going to happen. Judas is going to rise up. Judas is going to show up. And I do believe, based on 2 Thessalonians, it's written to the church, we may actually get to find out and understand who the Antichrist is. But so many Christians will be like, oh, it's the Antichrist. Too late. Rapture happens. Jesus doesn't want us to sleep until the Antichrist shows up. He wants us to wake up right now while the real Christ has some unfinished business. Church, you've got some exciting things on the horizon. If Jesus tarries, man, what's going to happen over in that auditorium and even in this room and all the classes and in this location? I, I, I invited a, I don't even know if he came tonight. I met the gas attendant last night and he said he wasn't working. I invited him to come. As soon as I told him I was a preacher and where I was preaching, he said, Baptist church right down the road, Dad, that, that new Baptist church right there, they know about you. You're coming. This town's getting ready to be curious. When, when you have that grand opening, they start coming in, get ready. Hey, listen, don't fall asleep. Don't miss it. Stay awake. Stay awake. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so well tonight. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let me ask you this. What if tonight 
the rapture happened. And the trumpet sounded, and you heard a noise like this, like a thump. And you looked up, and I was gone. And all of a sudden, you looked around the room, and the person to your right was gone. The person to your left was gone. Listen, the, the rapture is going to happen one day. And if you're not saved, you will guaranteed be left behind. That's what the Bible teaches. He's only going to call the saved home. The trumpet is going to sound. And when that trumpet sounds, the saved will go. The dead in Christ will rise first, but we're following them right after that. One preacher said the only reason they're going to rise first is because they need a six-foot head start. All right. Well, listen to my church. So many people today, they think they're saved. They hope they're saved. But I'm asking you right now, please take it to heart. Please take it personal. It's your revival time. We've had two saved last night. Nobody is going to embarrass you if you're not sure you're saved. This is a place. If there's a place on this planet better to get saved in than right here, you tell it to me and you name it to me because I don't think I don't think I'll agree with you. But if the rapture happened right now, if it happened right now, if the trumpet sounded right now and you stopped hearing my voice and you looked up and Brother Stences was gone. I mean, do you know 100 percent for sure that you would be raptured with the church? Jesus Christ, take you home, would you? I wonder with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if someone would be honest and say, Preacher, I'm not sure that that would. I'm not sure that if the rapture happened, if that trumpet sounded, I am not sure that I would go up right now. Trust me when I say this. Please trust me when I say this. You do not want to be left behind. Well, you could do almost a series on this because what comes after the rapture? Oh, it may seem all nice and peaceful and hunky-dory at first. But the world is going to go through some of the most unbelievable purging and suffering like the world has never known in the history of mankind. The tribulation period is going to be, in fact, the Bible calls it great tribulation. With their heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, I wonder if someone will be honest and say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven someday. I need to be saved. Pray for me. If that's you, would you quietly lift up your hand out of the building? I'm not going to embarrass you. But just say, I pray for me, Preacher. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? Anybody like you're in the building tonight? Anybody? I saw a couple of kids raising hands. Wonderful. Talk to your parents about it. We had a young man get saved last night. Praise the Lord. What about you? Do you know that you know that you know for sure that if the rapture happens tonight, that you're going to be checking out of here and going with Jesus? All right. I didn't see any hands except for a few couple little kids. All right. That means we're all saved tonight. So that means this. Listen very carefully. That means you have the potential to sleep. But thank God you also have the potential to stay awake. Don't be like my sister. Don't be like Peter, James, and John. Let's stay awake. So that when the Savior says, hey, I need you, we're ready to do something. Hey, I want to use you. I've got plans for you. This new building, man, I've got exciting things. Your pastor's got some vision. He's got a great staff. There's some exciting things coming. My goodness, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Who's going to wake y'all up? Let's go and stand, Pastor. Thank you so much. We love you, church. God bless you.